You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and technology, where we like and follow all of our favorite bands and artists and festivals and never say, see a single post they post on social media because Facebook, where we spend thousands of dollars to market our own events on social media and think, hmm, this feels like sticking a stack of $100 bills on the windowsill and turning the fan on high, where we dream of a day when artists and festivals own their data and fans get to hear from their favorite artists without being played by an algorithm for their presidential votes. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm specializing in music tech. And today I have with me Jared Christensen, a concert promoter turned music tech founder based out of Sydney, Australia and Los Angeles. He's the CEO of Audience Republic, a company that powers marketing for live events, including festivals, sporting events and concerts. How's it going, Jared? Hey, Dimitri. How you doing? Great. Thanks for joining me. Uh, why don't we just dig in with how Audience Republic came into being? What is your origin story? Yeah, well, look, I mean, the, the kind of story that, uh, you know, I always tell is when I um, really, I guess, you know, taking back to, you know, when I was 19 years old, when um, I had this artist that a friend of mine was just obsessed with, I was obsessed with it as well. It was an artist called The Bloody Beetroots. Um, and I uh, just out of curiosity wanted to find out if they were going to be touring uh, to this part of the world. Um, emailed their um, agent just to ask the question, um, and they said, "Actually, they're going to be you know, in Australia. Do you want to do a show?" And I really wasn't kind of expecting that at all, um, and so ended up basically putting an offer forward uh, to book the Bloody Beetroots. That ended up going through. Um, announced the show, and just out of pure luck, uh, the Bloody Beetroots became massively popular after I announced the show, um, completely sold out around 2000 tickets. And as a kind of ambitious uh, 19 year old, I thought, well, this is easy. Well, hold on there, Jared, wait a second. Your first show that you ever booked, you were 19. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And you sold 2000 tickets, 2000 tickets, just out of pure luck. Um, so yeah, I just thought <laughs> I made That's all this crazy. money as a 19 year old. And I thought I'll just do 10 of these every year. You know, I'll make a million dollars and then I'll retire. How hard could it be? Awesome plan. Did it work? Um, so unfortunately for me, I uh, didn't end up making that million dollars and did not retiring. Um, uh, basically what happened was I got a little bit overconfident. I booked in a bunch of other artists. Um, and the second uh, event that I booked, I booked an artist called, called Mastercraft um, and basically made every mistake you could possibly make. Um, I ended up paying too much for the artist. I uh, had to then overprice the tickets. I did it you know, the wrong day of the week, every mistake you can possibly make um, and ended up losing about $20,000 um, in a single night off, off, off that event. Um, so that was definitely a, a wake up call for me, um, but ended up doing about 25 events over the space of a couple of years. Some did really, really well um, and, 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 and some didn't do as well. Um, and that's really where uh, Audience Republic came from is that whole experience of, you know, losing that money um, on that show that I did for Mastercraft um, and thought, look, there must be a better way. Okay, well, maybe we should walk through um, what Audience Republic does now, and then we can talk a little bit about how you got from concert promoter to running Audience Republic. How does Audience Republic work? Yeah, so the way we explain Audience Republic is we are a software platform that helps live events sell more tickets, You know, particularly right now music events. Um, we work with about 300 music festivals um, around the world. 
um, as well as concert tours um, and sport is a, is a really big thing for us as well. And uh, the two core beliefs of, of the company really are word of mouth is the most powerful form of marketing. So it's all about helping these live events get more word of mouth. Um, and the second core belief um, we have is owning your data and owning your audience is one of the most important ways to, to drive sales, um, whether that's the sales of tickets, merch or anything else. Um, and so, you know, we see a lot of uh, promoters um, in the industry become over-reliant on paid advertising channels through Facebook ads, Instagram ads. And so really, you know, a big focus for us is helping these promoters own their audience so they're less reliant on those paid advertising channels. So there's two parts to our product. There's the campaigns platform, which is all about incentivizing fans to share and invite with their friends. Um, and you know, particularly around um, stages of an event around things like pre-sales and lineup announcements and things like that, where we've delivered uh, up to a two and a half thousand percent increase in the amount of registrations coming through. So the results that we've been getting through the campaigns platform have, have really been, you know, they're not incremental results, they're substantial results. Um, and then the second part of our product is called audience manager. And that's really about helping promoters bring together all the different data sources. So we have data sources coming from the different ticketing platforms they're using, you know, whether that's Ticketmaster or Eventbrite or any other ticketing platform. Uh, they've also got their uh, marketing data, which might come from MailChimp. So what this does is helps them bring all that data together in the one place. Um, and then more importantly, you know, helping them actually use that data to help them sell more tickets. And so there's a number of different ways which we help them use that data. Um, and that can be one, creating segments to then uh, understand insights about their audience, which they can then use to sell more tickets and, and get more sponsorship. Um, it can be also around creating segments to sync with Facebook ads so they can target them with, with ads. Um, and also one of the, the most important ones is communicating directly with their audience. And that can be done either directly through uh, text messaging, uh, Facebook Messenger, um, as well as our built-in email platform as well. Um, so that's a that's a brief summary of how it works. Wow, that's that's a lot of stuff. We might have to rewind a little bit and break some of that down. Um, that all that messaging and and kind of community management stuff and data management sounds super interesting, like like a like a dashboard to reach out in all these different ways from Facebook um, um, ads to totally. to Mail, Mailchimp and so forth. But before we do that, let's go back to the campaign thing because yeah. uh, people talk about marketing campaigns and use that terminology in a lot of different ways. It's kind of a broad kind of conceptual framework. Um, but, but maybe the best way to, for maybe to have you explain to me since, since I, you know, I haven't used this before, walk me through what it's like for a music fan that's thinking about going a festival that going to a festival that's somehow using this audience Republic campaign. What do I experience as a music fan? Totally. Yeah. So look, the way, the way, you know, I, I think about it really is actually, uh, as a fan that actually doesn't know they're going to this music festival yet. Um, and so the way it works, um, and I'll take, you know, one example, which might be, um, you know, right from the very start of one of the first campaigns we do with the music festival, which typically is around the pre-sale registration process or the lineup announcement process. Um, so the way it works is um, the event promoter would set up a campaign on our platform. Um, and, and, and this would be around the pre-sale registration process. So, okay, wait, wait, let's just stop right for... there. Hold on a second. Yep. So pre-sale. So a lot of popular festivals or, or popular artists, even before tickets even go on sale, it's almost like, like being a beta user on a, on a tech platform where you're almost like on a waiting list to, to be the first to get the offer. Yeah, that's right. Signing up for pre-sale access and look, you know, we haven't invented the, the pre-sale registration process at all. You know, there's a lot of festivals who are doing 
the pre-sale registration process already. Um, where our process really um, helps these festivals sell more tickets is the process where when a fan registers for pre-sale access, uh, they're then put through a process where they're incentivized with points to share, invite and refer friends. Um, as well as follow across social media and subscribe across messaging channels. They get points for you know, any of those actions. Um, and the top point scorers are rewarded for things like getting access to either cheaper pre-sale tickets, they could be free pre-sale tickets, um, or they could be prizes. So we do a lot of meet and greets, side of stage viewing experiences and everything, everything else like that. Um, and so really the big focus is incentivizing fans to refer as many friends as possible to sign up for pre-sale access. Um, and through that process, we um, really um, generate this whole viral effect, um, which then delivers up to a two and a half thousand percent increase in the amount of pre-sale registrations. And, and really the, the point of this process um, is helping, you know, it's not really about helping sell more pre-sale tickets, you know, a lot of festivals don't need help selling more pre-sale tickets. The big focus is using the announcement and using the pre-sale to build up a massive audience. So they, you know, sell more pre-sale tickets, but also they build up an audience that they then own. So they are less reliant on those paid advertising channels. It can use that audience to sell the remainder of the general on sale. All right. I hate to, I hate to slow you down on this, but I just want to make sure yeah. I and the audience gets it right. So, okay. So as a fan, you go to this pre-sale, you register, say I'm interested, and then they earn points by sharing on say Facebook and Twitter and things like that. And then audience Republic's platform gives that individual fan points as they go, or they can message friends, SMS or WhatsApp or That's whatever right. through the platform. And so they get more and more points for the more of that they do kind of like with Uber and Lyft by referring people to Uber and Lyft, you get a discount. But in this case you're sharing and you're not so much necessarily getting a discount, but you're getting points towards winning prizes or possibly getting enough points to get that discount. That's exactly right. Okay, got it. And then on top of that, you're saying it's not really that you, you're you driving people to sell more tickets out of the gate from the pre-sale, but they're getting fans engaged enough so that you can capture their data. I guess their email addresses, maybe their mobile numbers, things like that. So even if they haven't bought tickets at that point, you're starting to collect more fans onto your list that you can then target through various ways later. 100%, yeah. And that can be across, um, it can be across you know, email, it can be across um, channels like Facebook Messenger, which we're seeing become more and more important, um, like SMS messaging, which we've seen a massive resurgence in over the last six to 12 months. So it can be across any of those channels and building that audience across as many channels as possible. Okay, got it, got it. How hard is it for a festival or event to set this kind of thing up? What do they have to go through the process um, to, to get going with this platform? Yeah, so it's as simple as going through a four-step setup process where all we need is copy, uh, images, um, and that's it really. Um, and you go through a self-service setup process. Um, it's just four steps. Um, and then at the end of that, you get a link, which is the pre-sale registration uh, URL. Um, and then that gets promoted across um, you know, any of the uh, uh, usual promotional channels. Um, and so, yeah, it's as simple as that. We have a dedicated custom success team who's there every step of the way to make sure that you know, where they're helping you uh, maximize the value for the platform. Got it. All right, now let's go back to the other half of the platform, this, this kind of data management, messaging management thing. Um, you're saying it aggregates all these things. You can hook it up with MailChimp. So you can see some Facebook, uh, Facebook 
um, data as well from your your uh, from your followers. Is that what it is? And then you can actually power Facebook ads through the platform. So um, I'll, I'll explain how it works. There's, there's close, but we don't power Facebook ads through the platform and we don't have any Facebook data in the platform. But really the big focus of the platform is, um, you know, me as a, an event promoter, um, I was using a number of different ticketing platforms because of course the venue decides on which, which ticketing platform it is. So I had all this data, you know, sitting in Eventbrite, uh, data sitting in Ticketmaster. I had my MailChimp subscribers sitting somewhere else. I had CSV files, you know, sitting on my desktop that I wasn't doing anything with. Um, and event promoters just have so much data. And, and sometimes, um, you know, one, it takes a lot of time to actually use that data. Um, and, and also, where do you actually put that data? So audience manager is a place for these event promoters to store the different data sources that they have. Uh, the key data sources that um, uh, we really focus on is the ticket sales data. Um, and that comes from different ticketing platforms they use. Um, so that includes, you know, who bought the tickets, how much they spent, what events they went to. Um, also, the other really important piece of data is the email subscribers, um, SMS messaging lists, um, and then, of course, the data that's captured through our campaigns platform as well. Can I ask you a question about the ticket data? Is that yeah. Does that include contact info like email or, or mobile phones? Are you Absolutely. Able to... Yes. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Depending on, of course, what's being collected by... Uh, you know, the ticketing platform, um, whatever they've uh, collected, that then gets imported into the platform. So if I have an event where I have, or I have, let's say I've got five events and one of them's on Ticketmaster, one of them's on Eventbrite, one of them's on something else, do those companies, like, are you connected through an API of some sort or do I have to like download a CSV from those companies and upload it to your audience manager? Yeah, so different ticketing platforms have different capabilities. So some we have um, APIs with and others, it's a yeah, easy CSV import. Um, but of course, the API definitely makes the process, you know, significantly, uh, you know, easier because it's automatic. Are you able to talk about which platforms you have like that easier integration with? Yeah, the big one that we're focused on right now with that API is um, uh, Eventbrite. Um, and so that uh, process, um, the way it works is you connect your um, Eventbrite account, um, and then essentially every event that you've done in the past, um, as well as all the ticket buyers, uh, get imported in your account with Audience Republic, uh, as well as any events that you've got coming up as well, um, get automatically synced when you create them um, on Eventbrite. And then anytime a ticket sale is made, that automatically comes um, into our system. Um, so that then consolidates it with the rest of the ticket sales data. Uh, but yeah, the, the most important piece is, you know, which comes after that is then what do you actually do uh, with that data once you've got it into the platform? So, um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about what you do once the data is in there. So you get this, say, Eventbrite ticketing information for the past year's worth of 50 concerts. You've uploaded your MailChimp list. You have some other CSV, some SMS or something like that. And then what's the benefit of having it all in that one dashboard? Totally, yeah. So big thing for us is creating segments so then you can then target across different channels. So some really important ones that um, a lot of our customers are using, um, for example, might be show me everyone who bought tickets to last year's event, but not this year, for example. Um, so that's a really powerful segment that you can create, which you can then target them with either ads on Facebook. So you can automatically sync that segment to Facebook um, and then target them with ads on the Facebook platform. Um, so that's one um, thing where the ads aren't run through our platform, but you can create that custom audience, which you can then target 
um, which is a very high value audience um, who are very likely to buy tickets. Uh, you can also, um, of course, uh, message them either through SMS with, say, for example, a special offer uh, to really get them to buy tickets, um, as well as Facebook Messenger um, and the email platform as well, where, you know, similar to MailChimp, you can send out uh, email campaigns. So, um, yeah, uh, bought tickets to last year, uh, but not this year is a, is a really important one. Another one might be uh, show me everyone who signed up for pre-sale access but didn't buy a ticket. Uh, that's a really powerful one as well. Um, and then some other examples might be, uh, you know, show me everyone who spent more than $5,000 on tickets in the last two years. And, and that's a really important one for really encouraging um, and rewarding that loyalty um, from your fans as well. So those are just some examples. That's cool. And just when you talked about syncing up the... Um syncing up the segments with Facebook, are you, am I then like creating a segment and downloading a CSV and then uploading it to custom audiences on Facebook or there's actually an integration on that end of Facebook? Yeah, so we actually have a direct integration with Facebook custom audiences. And, you know, anytime we talk about this uh, with promoters, their, their eyes light up because um, at the moment, um, it's a very, very manual process of downloading that data from the ticketing platform um, for each event individually. Um, they then have to, uh, make those segments in Excel and then manually upload those um, CSV lists. And, and for, for anyone who, who um, also just doesn't know what Facebook custom audiences is, I'll just explain what it actually does. Um, uh, the way it works is you can actually uh, upload data into Facebook. So that can be data points like first name, last name, mobile number, email address, state, city, country. Um, and then from there, that then matches with Facebook data to then create an audience. Um, and then you can actually target that audience um, directly with ads. Uh, but really, really one of the most powerful things you can do with those audiences is not just target that specific audience, um, but the lookalike audiences that you can create from that as well. So you can actually find effectively, just like it sounds, people who look like that audience so you can be expanded to, to, to bigger audiences. Um, so our integration with Facebook custom audiences automatically syncs those segments you create on our platform. Um, and you can then uh, do that on a real-time basis. So there's no CSV imports or anything like that. Awesome. I get it. I get it. So, so now it feels like if you're a concert promoter or an event producer of any type, it feels like you've got all your data feeding into one place, but then you have this productive segmentation that could go directly to either sending out messages or um, advertising, uh, and you don't feel like you have to constantly be managing these different sets of data and, and kind of um, massaging them into usefulness, but you're really just getting those segments right with like from multiple sources in one place and then pushing it out in these various directions without having to do all that massaging. That's right. And, you know, our team, again, is there every step of the way to one, make sure that data is coming through correctly. Uh, but, you know, more importantly, helping you actually use that data as well. So um, our, our, our team's there to, to help. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about what kind of success you're seeing. Um, do you do you uh, do you have particular success stories you can talk about with both both in general, just about how certain festivals or events have used this, and then also maybe unique ways in which different um, organizations are using it? Yeah. So um, you know, like I mentioned, we have about 300 music festivals on the platform around the world. Uh, we've got offices here in Sydney, LA, um, as well as London as well, um, and so we're focused really. Uh, across you know, all markets. 
Um, and so, you know, I'll, I'll maybe talk about um, some examples in the US, which we've done uh, recently. So uh, one, one, one festival which was really successful, which was the um, Second Sky Music Festival at Porter Robinson. Um, huge success where, uh, you know, they sold out the, the first show and then they did a, a second show, which then also sold out, sold out off the back of the platform. Um, we did the uh, Rufus de Sol um, shows as well um, at LA Historic Park. Um, as well as the uh, Flume Red Rock shows as well, which completely sold out. Um, so those are some examples which um, have been recent um, in the US. And, and, and um, you know, I can't talk to specific role, uh, results, but um, in terms of the results more broadly on the platform, um, you know, our record is a 2,500% increase uh, in the amount of pre-sale registrations coming through. Um, our worst result that we've, that we've seen is actually about a 20% increase. Um, and the amount of pre-sale registration. So even the the worst result we've delivered is a is a you know pretty significant result. Um, but the kind of typical result you can expect um, is you know a, I'd say a seventy to eighty percent increase in the amount of pre-sale registrations coming through. So typically almost a uh, you know a double uh, in the amount of uh, pre-sale registrations coming through. Pretty cool. And um, what are what are the types of kind of um... Uh, campaigns people are running uh like what are what are the prizes what else can you do besides pre-sale let's talk a little bit yeah. about some of the, that kind of like tactical stuff totally yeah so there's a number of different other types of campaigns that can be used uh, 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 uh another one um is the ballot uh, campaign and this is very similar to the pre-sale registration process except this is for the events you just know are going to sell out um, and we work with a lot of events that sell out straight away um, and a big focus on this campaign um, is leveraging high demand events to build audiences. Um, and so they're very similar to the pre-sale where um, before um, tickets go on sale, show gets announced, people sign up for access uh, to tickets. Top point scorers are the ones who are rewarded with getting access uh, to buy those tickets. Um, and it's the same process to earn points where people are incentivized uh, for referring friends. Um, and so again, that's about building up an audience, which they can then use to one, decide if they want to do a second show, um, or two, decide to use um, across the other events that they might be doing as a promoter, um, or monetize in other ways. So that could be across, uh, you know, helping uh, drive sales of merch, for example. Um, so that's, uh, that's another example. Um, another example where um, a lot of promoters are using our platform is uh, the competitions. Um, and so, of course, they're doing a lot of competitions already. Um, what this is about is really making those competitions go viral and getting a lot more entries and engagement uh, with those competitions where there's a prize, just like any competition, um, and people re uh, sign up to enter the competition um, and they invite friends uh, to also enter the competition and they get points for each friend that enters um, with the top point scorers who are the ones who actually win the prize. Um, and just to talk about some examples of, of you know, some of the prizes that have been done across uh, any of the, the campaigns um, that we've run, um, some examples include like one, one example that comes to mind is one of the DJs of uh, one of the music festivals had um, a spot on his private jet going from one music festival uh, oh, to the wow. other. <laughs> uh, so that was a prize that got a lot of engagement. So yeah, definitely, um, uh, definitely that was one that kind of sprung to mind. Um, uh, another one is just a typical kind of meet and greet um, with the different artists that we're working with that always gets really, really high engagement. Um, so yeah, definitely those kind of money can't buy experiences, which one, you know, aren't 
you know, hugely uh, costly to the promoter. Usually it's, you know, something that they just have access to for free, um, but, you know, it's high value to the fans. Wow, that's, that sounds like a lot of fun. So the competitions are not that different from the pre-sale, except the, the pre-sale is already done and gone or whatever, and it's just another way to s- keep engaging conversations on social through all the sharing and, and thus po- points scoring, all yes. incentivized by these, these prizes right. they can win. That's pretty cool. Nice. And that can happen at any time, yeah. And it, look, the final one that I'll just mention is the waiting list. And, and this is when an event sells out, uh, the promoter can choose to open up a waiting list. Um and the fans can sign up for access to purchase any sold out tickets that might become available through production holds and, and whatever else. Um, and uh, uh, again, it's the same process. The fans uh, share and invite friends uh, to earn points um, and the top point scorers are invited to purchase those tickets uh, if and when they become available. So again, leveraging high demand events to, to build audiences. Does anyone ever fabricate a waiting list? <laughs> Um, look, no, not, not that I've seen, um, uh, but yeah, uh, not that I've seen. You could, you could build up some, uh, you know, low supply to see what happens on the demand side, but, um, (laughs) but it'd be dishonest. So don't do it. Um, so you're, you're talking to 300 festivals. You're probably talking to more than that, but you're engaged with 300 and you're talking to other folks. Let's broaden out a little bit. Where do you see the live music space going. Obviously our audience is interested in innovation in the music space. Um, we, we talked about a lot of the recorded and streaming side at the last Music Tectonics Conference. We're looking at possibly opening it up to more of a live conversation about tech and innovation in the mm-hmm. live side. What are some of your um, like recent uh, uh, trends that you're looking at or things that you're intrigued with, things that you're sort of keeping an eye to see how they unfold in the live music space these days? Yeah, look, I think there's two things that, you know, really exciting um, when it comes to trends that are happening right now. I think one is the shift of um, ticketing platforms to opening up their APIs. Um, And for people who um, are wondering what APIs mean, it's basically just a way for uh, developers to integrate with um, other platforms. Um, And so that's how we are able to um uh, get data from other ticketing platforms um so if the promoter decides to connect their uh, ticketing account with us um they can then then choose to automatically import that data um into into our platform and so the really exciting thing is more and more ticketing platforms are now opening up their apis where even 24 months ago um, it was a very very closed uh, ecosystem and, and very few ticketing platforms actually had apis um and, uh, you know, Eventbrite was definitely one of the first um, to, to open up their platform with an API. You know, we've seen Ticketmaster now have a fantastic API and there's many other ticketing platforms that uh, now have APIs. So I think that's something that's really exciting. And, and you know, I'm in, really excited to see the different types of companies that pop up, uh, which are then able to uh, build on top of these platforms. So I think that's something that's that's really exciting. Um, is yes, seeing those ticketing platforms open up their APIs. So have you seen some other innovations or companies emerge either in the ticketing space as a result of that or just in in live music and how music tech's being used that you might want to give a shout out for? Look, I actually haven't seen too many just yet. Um, But um, look, I think, you know, it's still a relatively new thing. So I think definitely over the next kind of 12 to 20 more, 24 months, I think we'll see, you know, a lot more, um, uh, you know, companies popping up, um, utilizing those APIs for sure. Yeah. Are you seeing any other interesting emerging trends, uh, as it relates to technology and live music? Yeah. Yeah. So look, I think the other, the, you know, the second one that I was talking about, um, was around, I think the shift of, 
especially promoters, um, you know, becoming aware that they are um, in many cases over-reliant on paid advertising costs across um, Facebook as well as Instagram. Um, and, you know, I think it was about two years ago, it was a bit of a you know, wake-up call, I think, for everyone when that Facebook algorithm change yeah. happened. Um, and a, a lot of promoters that we, we, we work with, their kind of ticket sales disappeared overnight. Um, and they had to figure out new ways to, to sell tickets. And, and, and still, uh, many promoters are still reliant on those channels. And you know, imagining if, say, for example, Facebook and Instagram disappeared tomorrow, uh, what would happen to your ticket sales? Um, and so that's something that, you know, for us is, is really important in what we're doing. And we, we, we take pretty seriously um, because we want to make sure that um, the promoters that we're working with have their businesses future-proofed um, so they're not reliant on you know, any one channel, um, but they actually own their audience. So they're less reliant on, on any of those channels. So I think a big trend that we'll see is yeah, uh, a lot of uh, uh, festivals and promoters um, really wanting to diversify uh, the channels that they're using from, from a marketing perspective and especially uh, making sure that they own their audience so they ha don't have to rely on any any other third party. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, any Anything else on the... I, I noticed on your LinkedIn that you, um, you do a music tech summit in Australia. Do you still? That's right. Look, we haven't done one in a while because, you know, for events, it, it always just sounds so easy. You know, how hard can it be? Just <laughs> yeah, book a venue, it's easy, man. Book <laughs> uh, some speakers and... and but oh, it, it's just always... Uh, uh, so much more work than, than what you expect. So we are definitely planning to do more. Um, and we are planning, you know, we did one in Sydney. Um, and uh, we did that in partnership with Universal Music as well as Eventbrite. Um, it was at uh, Universal Music's office. Um, and it was about exploring how technology is changing the future of music. Um, we used our platform to curate the audience. We had about 150 people um, and a waiting list of about 400 people who, who wanted to come, but there, there wasn't enough space for um, in the room. Um, and so that was really exciting um, for us and definitely want to do more of those events. So uh, we'll do another one in Sydney. We'll do one in Melbourne, uh, one in L.A. and uh, probably one in London uh, as well. I think coming up over the next 18 months. Did, were there any were there any hot topics or any any cool takeaways from the last event you did? Anything that stood out especially? Um, I'm just trying to remember back because it was a little while ago. Oh, okay. I think um, I think. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, at, at that time, it was, you know, there was a lot of kind of buzz happening around um, virtual reality and augmented reality, reality and, and, and things like that. And I think, you know, one of the key takeaways um, for me, um, uh, you know, from that event is kind of, you know, not getting too caught up in the technology itself. And sometimes, you know, in many cases, um, a lot of people are kind of just using technology in a way. Uh, that's maybe contrived or just for the sake of using technology because it's a new thing. Mm. Um, so I think really just, um, you know, using technology to support the whole experience and not, you know, using technology just for the sake of using technology. Well, it's interesting to hear you talk about both um, where the, the origins of Audience Republic came from and those observations as you did your own, own meetup and events in, in Australia and seeing sort of people falling in love with the technology, whereas the, the origins of Audience Republic looked like it was really having an actual real life business problem and trying to figure out, well, how could we start to address that? How could we, we, we kind of uh, help people get their data and, and, and limit the amount of risk they have when they're, they're doing events? It actually, I, I mean, the podcast in a way, 
weight is a bit of a, a laboratory for me to learn about this stuff um, and think about, you know, maybe there's topics at Music Tectonics, the conference that we should we should tackle and just, you know, keeping up to date on the industry. So this is fun. But I, it makes me actually ask a question. I don't know if I should ask this while I'm hitting record, but um, I'm curious if you think Audience Re- Republic would work for like a B2B conference like the Music Tectonics conference. Totally. Yeah. Look, we've done a number of conferences before, so I definitely think it would work for sure. All right. I'm going to take a gamble here. If you'll set me up to do some, you know, some, some training or whatever with your customer success team, I'll give it a shot. Uh, Would you be up for that? Yeah. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I don't fully understand how it's going to work yet, but for, for those of us, those of you who are listening, how about this? By the time this airs, which I think will be next Thursday, February 20th, you're listening, hopefully February 20th, Thursday. Um, we will go get something set up on the audience Republic and we'll, instead of just listening to this podcast, you guys can try it out. I'll try it out as a, as a, as a event producer. You guys can try it out as event potential attendees, right? There's, there's no, um, there's no commitment for people to sign up for the pre-registration or the pre-sale, right? That's right. That's right. Okay, no cool. Commitment. So, all right, we'll use our conference site, musictectonics.com slash conference. That's musictectonics.com slash conference. We'll set up a campaign. And then in addition to listening to this podcast, you can go and try it out, see how it works and see what you think. And, uh, and we'll see if <laughs> we'll see if it helps our event, uh, you know, collect more data. This will be interesting. Um, so you'll have say between the t- time that you're listening to this podcast on the 20th of February till maybe five days, February 25th will be the dead line to participate with the pre-sale sign up share like whatever it is the instructions are and we'll give it a shot should we do it jared sounds great let's do it all right awesome all right well thanks jared for joining me we'll we'll continue the experiment we may have to have you come back and debrief to see how it went see how i screwed things up or or whatever but um and hopefully you'll be in la in time for music tectonics we have not announced uh the date wait a second if this is airing on February 20th, we will have announced the dates of the conference by then so I can announce them on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Our conference, Music Tectonics, is taking place on October 27th and 28th, 2020 at the Marriott in Marina Del Rey. This is the first episode that we're announcing it. We'll have this campaign going with Audience Republic so you can check it out. You can pre-register or, or sign up for the pre-sale and, uh, and find out more. You'll be the first to be able to buy tickets if you share and, and, and how about we give away one free badge. If you sign up and earn the most points on Audience Republic, we'll give away a free badge. Uh, for the next, say, 10 people, we'll send a Music Tectonic Seismic Shifts trading cards deck to you. This is a, a deck of 18 cards that we created at the last conference. You couldn't get a full deck at the conference. You had to trade with other uh, attendees to get the deck. So we, we haven't given out any full decks. So the next 10 winners of uh, scoring points on our Audience Republic campaign will get that. And then, say, the next 100 people will get the lowest price We'll give you like the lowest price that we'll offer the entire time of this conference um, if you participate in that as well. So go to musictectonics.com slash conference. Mark your calendars October 27th and 28th in LA, the Marriott at Marina Del Rey, California. And uh, Jared, hopefully you'll be in LA at that time. (laughs) I, I will be and I can't wait. I'll definitely be coming along for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining on the podcast and thanks for changing how we launched the conference. (laughs) 
Awesome. Thanks, uh, Dimitri. It's great. Thank you soon. All right, great. And thank you for listening. Again, go to musictectonics.com slash conference to check out the presale and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss other important startups, movers and shakers, and big picture seismic shifts shaking the music industry. We'll be back with another episode next week. listening to music tectonics.